Let's pray. Oh, God, one prayer, two petitions. Give us the courage, please, to pray the second petition through Jesus. Amen. Jolly old St. Nicholas, lend your ear this way. Don't you tell a single soul what I'm about to say. Christmas Eve is coming soon. Now, you dear old man, whisper what you'll bring to me. Tell me if you can. There's not an, um, there's not an adult in America that believes that what Christmas is all about is this red-nosed, white-bearded old man called Santa Claus. But I tell you what, drive through the malls of America, you could have fooled me. Do you want to know what jolly old St. Nicholas brought to America on Cyber Monday? That would be four days ago. Hold on to your pew. Quoting Fortune magazine this week, the U.S. hit a record as consumers snapped up deals on the busiest day of the year for Internet shopping. In fact, get this, shopping online went up 10.2% over last year. Did your wages go up 10%? Hmm? Did the tuition around here go up 10%? Pretty close. <laughs> Did the economy go up 10%? Did your offerings go up 10%? Online shopping on Cyber Monday did to the whopping grand total of $3.39 billion of sales just last Monday. And oh, by the way, let me just insert this. Black Friday, two days earlier. We're not talking retail shopping now, folks. We're talking online, okay? Online on Black Friday... Hold on. And by the way, it went up 21.6% over last year, online shopping on Black Friday, a grand total of $3.34 billion. So the first two shopping days of the Christmas season, let's put it on the screen, please. What's the grand total? Look at that. $6.73 billion spent thanks to jolly old St. Nicholas. Can you believe it? I mean, come on, come on, come on. That's you. You're in those numbers. Don't look at me. That's you. <laughs> Jolly old St. Nicholas, lean your ear this way. Whisper what you bring to me. Tell me if you can. I'm going to go to that prayer that I read just a moment ago. I want you to see it in your Bible. Can you believe a Christmas prayer in the book of Proverbs? Open your Bible, please, to Proverbs chapter 30. The only prayer in the entire book. The wisest man who ever lived prays one prayer, and this is it. Proverbs chapter 30. Pull out your phone, pull out your Bible, pull out the pew Bible. If you, want, if you got the pew Bible, it'll be page 447. What a prayer for Christmas. Here we go. This is Proverbs chapter 30. We'll, we'll begin in verse 7. Verse 7, all right? Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Okay, so it's a prayer. Do not refuse me before I die. One prayer with two petitions. Here we go. Number one, keep falsehood and lies far from me. 
Not a bad prayer to be praying at the end of an unforgettable or forgettable political season. And number two, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, verse 9, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. A prayer for Christmas. Come on, you got to jot this down. Scribble it down while it's still fresh in your mind. Grab that study guide that's inside your worship bulletin. Did you get study guides up here? All right, pull that study guide out. Let's go. Thank you, friendly ushers. Just hold your hand up. They're coming this way. They're up in the balcony as well. And while they're doing it here, those of you watching right now and live streaming, we're delighted to have you. This first uh, Sabbath of December, we want you to get the same study guide. So let's put it on. You see it right there on the screen right now. This is our... uh, The title of today's teaching, Jolly Old St. Nicholas Goes to Bethlehem. We'll do three of these little Jolly Old St. Nicholases in the month of December. But he goes to Bethlehem, and then you click on there, it'll say study guide. You click study guide, you've got it, okay? So you're ready to go. Some fascinating stats in just a moment, fascinating numbers. You've got to write them down. That's why you'll need the study guide. Trust me, you'll need the study guide. Let's go. Let's put that prayer down. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. O Lord... Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Wow. Keep your pen moving. That is a Christmas prayer asking God to keep me in, write it down, moderation. Keep me in moderation because, as he says in verse 9, The great danger in wealth is that it tends to make me feel independent of God. I'll say, wow, look what I got. Guess I don't need you anymore. So number one, great danger for wealth. But there's a great danger in poverty is that it tends to make me feel forgotten by God. And so Solomon says, I'll go out and steal because nobody's taking care of me. I'll, I'll forget that you have forgotten me. What a prayer. Let's put it on the screen. Hey, let's read this one out loud. Come on. Let's read it out loud together. Oh, God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. A prayer to pray this Christmas. Now, a friend of mine, and I'm so grateful for this, she made known to me a book written by a man named Joshua Becker. Ooh, I love the title of the book. Title of the book, The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. Now, I need to tell you that Joshua Becker is the most famous minimalist in the United States. A minimalist is one who lives with a minimum of stuff, okay? His website, hot traffic to his website. I'm going to give it to you. It's in the study guide, but I'll give it to those who are watching right now. www.com. Uh, becoming Minimalist. That's it. Becoming Minimalist. One word, dot com. Go to that website. You got his blogs there. Now, here they come. Some stats. Astounding stats from his book, The More of Less. Got your pen ready? Let's go. There's six of these. I'm going to fly them by you. Number one, in the United States, we now consume two times as many material goods as we did 50 years ago. Double now. <laughs> We're all nodding our heads saying, yeah, but of course. Okay, keep going. Number two, over the same period, that'd be 50 years, the size of the average American home has has nearly tripled and today contains about 300,000 items per house. 
Now, that includes toothbrush and a, and a knife and a fork. And if you have 10 knives, and you have 10 knives and all that. 300,000 stuff, things, things, things. Here comes number three. On average, our homes contain more televisions than people. Go figure. <laughs> Who's watching all this? More, t- more TVs than people. Number four. Oh, this one's incredible. The, United, the, the U.S. Department of Energy reports that due to clutter, 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park cars inside. You drive down your neighborhood, all those cars outside, don't ask them what's in the garage. <laughs> and another 32% on top of that have room for only one vehicle. In our house, we still can get the two cars in. The problem is we can't get out of the car. We have to whistle for somebody to come open up the truck and pull us out. That's how bad it is. Welcome to America. Keep going. Number five, one out of ten American households rents off-site storage, right in the word storage. The fastest-growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. You want to make some money? Go into storage depots. They're everywhere now. The hottest commercial investment. Finally, number six, the average household's credit card debt stands at over $15,000, while the average mortgage debt is over $150,000. Will Rogers, the, the, the folksy American philosopher, once said, put the words on the screen for you, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. I mean, why, why do we do this? What's up with this? Why are we doing this? And how did that prayer go? Put it on the screen again for us, please. Let's do it one more time out loud. Oh, God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Speaking of daily bread, once upon a long-ago time, the God and Creator of this universe disappeared into a teenage womb and was born in a little village that has this name. This is the English of the Hebrew. Fill it in. The name, House of Bread. Write that down. House of Bread. Bethlehem. House of Bread. A fitting birthplace for one who one day would teach us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Write that down. A fitting prayer from him who one day would declare, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. What was that prayer again? Oh, God. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Well, I come to think of it, if you would make that prayer your prayer, that essentially is praying the prayer of a minimalist, not not a maximalist, a minimalist. What's a minimalist? A minimalist is one who asks God for quiet contentment over a minimum of things and a maximum of Jesus. Give me Jesus. Isn't that a Christmas carol? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Wow. What's all this have to do with hashtag RXF for NOW? Let me share with you one of the most profound verses in all the Bible, and I found it just four weeks ago. I died to share this with you. We'll come back to this three times this month. I want you to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. So you're going, you're turning from Proverbs now, 30, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I look at it. I've known this verse is here, but somehow I never saw it. I just never saw it. And I want you to see it too. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 20, uh, chapter 1, rather, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I'm reading, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us, spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you get that? Jesus is God's great yes to every single promise he has ever made. God has ever made to the human race. Jesus is the yes. And all we have to say, I'm telling you, all we have to say is amen. And when you say amen, that promise is yours. Now, I'm going to repeat myself because I've been, we've been coming back to this over and over this fall. You have got to get this principle before we put a wrap on this little series. You've got to get the principle. And that's the, here's the principle. I remind you that when God, God is so omnipotent that when God speaks a word and it comes out of his mouth, so powerful is that word that the moment he speaks it, the word creates the reality it describes. So when God steps out into the darkness and says, let there be... Yo, light! There was in less than half a nanosecond, guess what there was? Light. He speaks the word and it happens. <laughs> Psalm 33, verses 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and by the breath of his mouth the host of them. That's verse 6. Now here comes verse 9. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He speaks the word and it happens. That's why I love Isaiah 55, verse 11. God says, the word that comes out of my mouth will never come back to me empty. It will never come back to me empty, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it and it will succeed in the mission I have given it. The word always accomplishes what God speaks because when he speaks, the word creates the reality that the word has described. That's why Jesus can come along in John 6, 63 and he's, he'll, he'll say this, my words... My words, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That's why in that very chapter of John 6, here's what Jesus does. Before 15,000 gaping mouths and gawking eyes, Jesus takes, can you believe this? He takes, he takes five little loaves of bread and two fishies. And he breaks the loaf. This is what he does. He bre- They're all staring. He breaks the loaf and he lifts up the two halves to heaven. And he cries out, Oh, Father, with this bread, feed the world. And 15,000 consumers went home with their tummies full. Because when he speaks a word and he says, Amen, as he did on that prayer, he says, Amen, boom. The promise immediately is engaged and responded to by God. 
Jesus, here's, here's the point, guys. Jesus is God's great yes to every single promise God has ever made. Every promise. Which means that any promise... Can you, can you think of a promise right now? Can you think of a promise from the Bible? Something's going to pop in your mind. Any promise that, come, that, that, you can, that you come to, if you say amen to it, Jesus is the fulfillment. He has already fulfilled what that particular promise is promising. He's the, he's the great yes. That's why the Word, the Word was made flesh. So He could come down here and be not Dr. No, not Dr. No. He's, he's God, yes. Yes. Every promise. How about the promise of my salvation? Yes. How about the promise of me becoming righteous? You know, right, living, right, thinking? Yes. How about the promise of me being forgiven, pardoned, and cleansed? Yes. You say amen, you got it. How about the promise? How about the promise of a brand new beginning for my broken life? Yep. How about the promise of no more fear? Yes. How about the promise of food on my table? Yes. How about the promise of success in my classes? Yes. How about the promise of financially stabilizing this institution and this congregation? Yes. How about the promise of becoming a mighty witness for Jesus? Yes. How about the promise of becoming rich? No. You can't push this too far. Right? Oh, but I changed, I changed my answer. I changed it back to a yes. Because you will become rich in ways you never before imagined you could become rich in. Wow. When that word became flesh, the, the, the mighty yes of God came down to live next door to us. God, yes. God, yes. That was Jesus. And I promise you, I promise you, there is nothing God has ever promised in his life, and he's lived a long time. There is nothing God has ever promised that is not already fulfilled and made available in God's great yes, named Jesus. All you and I need to do, and I'm sorry for sounding like a broken record now, but all you and I need to do is say amen to that promise. You say, all right, but what does, the, what, does, what does the amen mean? Well, I'll tell you what the amen means. <laughs> we, we've said this before, but let, let me refresh your memory. When I say amen to one of God's promises, here's what I'm saying. I say, dear God, that by faith, okay, here it is. By faith, I choose to believe your promise and trust you to deliver it to me in the most opportune and beneficial time for my life. You choose. I can't stand here and say, you do it now or I'm not going to believe in you. That's, that's called force. That's called presumption. There's no faith in that. You're just a magician. You think God's going to dance to your music? No, you can't do that. When you say, amen, you choose the time. I know you're going to fulfill this promise. You do what's most beneficial for me. I believe. Amen. That promise. And I'm telling you, from, from, from God's hand to your lips, that's how it works. God will deliver. Now, look, look, folks, we're not talking about UPS delivery here. We're not talking about FedEx delivery here. You understand that? We're not talking about Amazon Prime delivery. We're talking about the God of the universe. When you ask and you say amen to that promise that you're putting your finger on, 
instantly he begins to move heaven and hell to respond to a promise he made. Don't give him a timeline. That's not fair. Just trust him. Trust him. Now, can you think of a promise that God that you can't say amen to? I don't think you can. You want an Amazon Prime? You want an Amazon Prime kind of promise? I'm going to give it to you right now. These are the words of Jesus. Red letters in the Bible. We'll put it on the screen for you. Jesus speaking. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is an incredible promise, by the way. Jesus says, you give, it'll be given back to you. I mean, we're talking about really giving it back. Not the little that you gave. We're pressing it down. You got so much. Mercy. And all you have to say in response to Jesus' promise is amen. And then you give. You, you got to give. You can say, oh, no, no, I want the promise without the action. <laughs> What's that? About? Well, that's craziness. You got to give. He says, give and it will be given to you. You got to give. You say amen to that promise, boom. His omnipotent word declares to you, it will be given to you. Exactly as I ask. When I ask, for the reasons I ask, nope, nope, nope. But it's beneficial. The very best. You can trust him. Yeah. Joshua Becker, let me go back to this book one more time. Uh, the title of the book again, The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. He makes what strikes me as a profound observation. Look at as far as I know, they're, 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 this is not a religious book. I, he may not believe in anybody in the universe but himself and you and me, but that's okay. He's making a point here. I want you to catch it. Put it on the screen for you. It's true, Becker writes, that the less we need, the more we can give away. Yeah, come on. If you don't need all that stuff, if you don't need all that stuff, you'll happily. That's why they have garage sales. People are giving stuff they don't want anymore. Somebody, somebody's garbage is somebody else's treasure. The less we need, the more we can give away. But, oh, what if the inverse is also true? Here it comes now. What if the more we give away, the less we need? In other words, what if generosity leads to contentment? Wow. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Isn't so much a promise of how when you give, you make a million, as it is a promise of how when you give, you will feel like a million. Give. How did Joshua put it? What if the more we give away, the less we need? In other words, what if, what if generosity leads to, and by the way, what every human longs for, you know what the materialist is? So we have a minimalist and we have a maximalist, but now we're talking about materialists. Don't get confused. What does a materialist believe? A materialist believes this. If I can just get enough of this stuff, I will be contented. Everybody's going for the same prize. I want contentment. But the materialist believes that in the accumulation of stuff, the latest technological gadgets. Got to always be the new first kid on the block to have them. Did an accumulation of stuff, I will finally be contented. I'm telling you. You will never be contented. Impossible. And that's what Becker is saying. Generosity, giving it away, is what will bring contentment to your life. My, my, my.
After all, Jesus is God's great yes. That's why Jesus can say, put it on the screen, give, Jesus speaking, give, and it will be given to you. I tell you what, you say amen to God's great yes, you give to him and you see, just see what Jesus will give back to you. I promise you. No, no. He promises you. So that's what Jesus says. You want to see what God says? Put God on the screen, please. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse and test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You say amen to that promise and you tithe. Tithe it back to God. You got it, boy. As my 10%. Thank you. Now I know you're serious. You really want to be partners, don't you? You say amen to it. He says, bring it, say amen, and I will open the floodgates of heaven. After all, Jesus is God's great yes. Every promise is yes in Him. Okay, so early on uh, Black Friday morning, I'm having worship, okay? So that's just a few days ago. Early on Black Friday morning, having worship, and I suddenly remembered, oh, I forgot. You know, I have a little Twitter account. I, I, I forgot to send anything out on Thanksgiving. Ah, it's too late now. It's a little word of grace, a little word of gratitude. It's the day after Thanksgiving. What's the point of it now? And while I'm having worship, suddenly a thought comes to my mind. So I grab my phone, because that's where I do most of my tweeting. I grab my phone, and I, in 140 characters or less, I typed up this message. Put it on the screen for you. You see it there. The antidote to Black Friday is four words long. Memorize them. You'll have no problem driving past a shopping mall today on Black Friday. And what are the four words? I don't need it. Now, look at it. I've been tweeting for four years, is it? Five. I have never written a tweet that has been retweeted and favorited more times than that single line. And do you know why? Because everybody knows it's true. I don't need it. Do I? Do you? Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Promise. I am your daily bread. Prayer. Amen. Give me Jesus. Take out your connect card, please. Tucked away where your study guide was a moment ago. How should we respond to this? We've got a few guests here. Always nice to have you. Bless you. Fill out the front side of the card, what you're comfortable with. Need a card? Just put, hold your hand up. Here come the ushers. Turn the card over. My next step today. 
Some, some suggested responses. Box number one, this Christmas, what I want more than anything else, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, my daily bread. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a prayer. There's a Christmas prayer for you. Box number two, this Christmas, I want to give more than I have. I want to give more than I have. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. I want to take him up on it. I want to give more than I have. Here are two suggestions of, of how you might give. Number one, I want to return God's tithe, his 10% of my income. There's some of you who are saying right now, you know, it's true. I'm kind of having to spend the tithe this year until things turn around. You know, they'll turn around eventually. Oh, my friend, my friend, they will never turn around. The way to turn things around for you is to return to God that 10%. They'll turn around. I promise you, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you. There won't be enough room to store my blessing. Just show me that we're together in this journey. Just show me. I don't need your nickels and dimes. That's tiddlywinks to me. I just want to know, do you want me? Do you really want me? Something substantive by which I say to God, yes, please. Amen. If you haven't tithed this year, or you're kind of falling off thinking, well, this is just a kind of crunch time, I want to challenge you to consider that perhaps what you've been waiting for will be unleashed when you say amen to this promise and accept his invitation. Tie it back to him. The other box is, uh, I want to give a sacrificial year and offering to this congregation. We'd love to have that. You know, we had Hope Trending this year. Boy, was that a, was, was that a ride or what? $62,000. $62,000 this congregation invested in Hope Trending. $62,000. Now, here's the deal. This is what so often happens, and I know. If you need some extra monies, you reach into this pocket and you put it into this pocket. It just, you just move money around. That's okay. That's understandable. But because we've done that to get through Hope Trending, we're looking at some needs for a very unglamorous fund called church operating. It keeps the lights on, keeps the little treasures and primary, primary treasures and little friends going. You know those little magazines and... I did some arithmetic. If, if a thousand giving units... All right? If a thousand giving units, so you're married, so that would be two giving units. And we're, we're, we're more than a thousand giving units. But if a thousand giving units gave $100, $100. I just drove by Pizza Hut this week and it said, pizzas for $10, okay? So that's 10 pizzas marked down to $10. If every one of us gave $100, by the way, that's like three gas Phillips maybe? Right? About three? We're not talking about a lot of money here. But if, if a thousand giving units all gave a hundred dollars to church operating, we are clear to sail into 2017. Oh, but you heard Pastor Rodney just a moment ago. And he says, guys, we've got to go into all the world. It's not just about keeping our lights on. It's about turning the light of the world on out there. So let's throw in another 50. Come on. You're feeling generous this Christmas. I mean, 6.73 billion? We, I guess we are feeling generous. What if we took another 50? How many pizzas is that? 
Well, $10, that's five. Boy, by the time we're through, we're going to be able to give pizzas to everybody. <laughs> but anyway, throw in another 50. If every giving unit just gave another 50, that's 150 now. Come on, are we talking about a lot of money here? Not in America. And let's do one more. We have some precious children over here. Ruth Murdoch Elementary School and Anders Academy. Let's throw in another 50 for them. Come on, another 50. Do you begrudge our children another 50? If we each gave $100 to this congregation and $100 to evangelism and children, because they're evangelism too, $200. Every giving unit this month. All I'm saying is you can get there from here. To the God who emptied the treasury of heaven every last penny to save you and me, what is 200 bucks? To college students, what is 200 bucks? A lot. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong group, apparently. <laughs> but you know what I mean. We can drop 200 just like that. I got to have that new phone. There goes 300 just like that. I got to have an iPhone. Boom. Without batting an eye. What if we gave the little that we have to Jesus, who says, give it to me, and it shall be given back to you? What if we said, amen, and we did? That's my invitation to you. Wherever you live, whatever church you attend, whatever congregation you support, why don't we this year give God a big Christmas gift? We need it. This church needs it. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for these people. Everybody's been sitting here. We've been getting into the Word together. We're, we're ready to go home now. But dear God, not before letting you know how grateful we are that the treasury has been emptied and that Jesus is the great yes to every promise you have ever made or will ever make. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. And so to Jesus, we say amen to the glory of God. Jesus, do whatever it takes. You want me to give, I'll give. Amen to give it back to me. Amen to opening the floodgates of heaven. Amen. To your glory and honor, know our hearts. We love you with all our heart. Oh, God, if you were here, we would line up to hug you one after another. We so love you because you so loved us in Jesus. Amen.